0: you think I could do a handstand
1: if i could do one drunk hey, look if i could do one drunk you could you could do one sober i've actually never tried a handstand honestly to be fair i had i was assisted by the wall so
0: did you twerk uh, uh, during a till
1: no actually today was the fir- i actually was like actually you no know, last night i was like just like sitting on my stomach on the floor it's like something that i just do i don't know why and i was like i haven't twerked in a while i wonder if i could can still still can do it Get
0: in the hole! Welcome in to the Get in the Hole podcast. Stephen McAvoy, Ben Piero here. Another episode in the world of golf. Ben, how you feeling?
1: Fabulous. Alex goes, can I leave? Yes, you can leave. Yes, you can.
0: So Ben, the yes. we we had our emergency meeting uh, on what Friday um, before the world basically went absolutely a wall. Uh, but to kind of lead the lean into the show here. we actually do do have some breaking news that came out just about a half hour ago here on a Monday. Tony Finau, despite rumors that he would in fact jump to live to join John Roms newest team, he said, and I quote, hashtag, I'm not leaving. He will look to defend his title at the Mexico and Houston Open this year in 2024. Ben, how much of a, a difference does Tony's non-departure to live uh, give? Does it give the PGA Tour any any sort of, um, I guess, recovery leverage, being that the John Romney news is still so big? Uh, I mean, a little bit. I mean, he is definitely a
1: superstar, not to the magnitude that Rom is. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, the big domino to fall was Rom. Like, that was really the big one. So I, it's more of like, a, a, I guess, like a moral victory more than anything for the PGA Tour that they didn't lose Finau. Um But we've had plenty of people say that they're not going to live. They end up going anyway. So we'll see what happens. But as of right now, I would call it a moral victory.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think this obviously obviously solidifies that he'll be here for 2024. Of course, we don't know what's going to happen in six months whenever he gets more money offered. Of potentially the number that was going to come out would have been in excess of about $85 million, which naturally in the current growing climate of the PGA tour, he has potential depending on how he plays to make that in about three to four years. Granted, you could also make it in one brushstroke or pen, but at the very least, the Finau's non-move, in my opinion, really does kind of give them at least some semblance of hope that that, that there aren't more guys who are just gonna uh, jump ship. Of course, the the jury's still out on Tyrrell Hatton, who, um, not to toot my own horn, but had predicted both Finau and Hatton to jump. Hatton's still kind of in the weeds. We don't necessarily ha- we haven't heard heard anything from his side yet, but. If Hatton jumps, that's that's yet another top 25 player in the world jumping ship. And the boat's kind of – it isn't sinking at this very point. But with with the loss of and we had mentioned this uh, on Friday, which, by the way, check out the exclusive emergency uh, press conference that we had on that on Friday, um, this past Friday, on YouTube. Check us out, YouTube at Get in the Whole Pod and Underground Towards Philadelphia. But the – the, the, fact, the fact that Ron left basically gave me the idea that who's next, who else isn't, who else isn't safe at this point is going to be a mass exodus. We already know that the tour is divided in half in terms of guys who want to go join the PIF in negotiations, who want to join up with private equity firms and totally leave out, uh, leave out the PIF and live in any sort of semblance of it. It's very clear now that there really is um, the schism is back despite the framework back in June. And again, I was under the impression of, with the exception of Roy Rory McIlroy, who we know wasn't going to jump, who was next? Was it Xander Shoffley? Was it Patrick Cantlay? Was it Jordan Spieth? Whoever it may be, that was going to get um, insane sums of money. If John Rahm is getting six hundred million, I can only imagine uh, what Xander Shoffley would make, probably in the three hundred to four hundred range. Uh, obviously, he's a top ten golfer in the world. He isn't to the level of winningness as John Rahm is, because um, of course he still is is w- without a major, but still a top name in the sport somebody who most people know particularly following his Olympic gold medal. So with, with, with Finau not jumping, I do think it is a moral victory, like you said, but um, the jury's still out. We still need to see what the PJ tour can try and do to, to maintain these guys. Cause again, we very well might have a situation in the next two to three weeks um, that with the lead up to the live season. And of course the lead up to the century tournament of champions in January that, you might see three to form four more names jump ship in favor of um particularly large signing bonuses so that's to be seen we'll see that as it uh, comes in And of course we'll, we will keep you guys more in the in the loop on that speaking of which pga tour has announced they are in fact going to continue negotiations with strategic sports consortium which is basically a um a group led by family sports group one of the private investment funds uh, that are looking to invest in the PGA tour. That includes uh, Red Sox, Penguins and Liverpool owner, John Henry, Arthur blank amongst others uh, within the larger sports group. They, they had the most sports experience among the uh, entirety of, of investors who were interested, but they've also announced they will in fact continue with the PIF and the hopes that they can get in a framework and an agreement done by monaghan's planned january december 31st deadline in your opinion we haven't really discussed this yet do you think it's with the fact that they had already created this framework with the pif would it almost not make sense to leave them out and go the private investment route or do you think the pga tour could could logically stay intact and maintain everything um, with both involved
1: um that's a very good question. I mean, I think
0: I think the
1: with these potential investments, this this definitely gives the PJ Tour a backup plan. That being said, I do not believe that these individuals um, you know, and who knows, I mean, depending on maybe what the bottom line is, what these companies would be willing to do with the PGA tour is able to get a, a merger accomplished by the December 31st date. Um, I mean, like I said, in our emergency podcast, um, people who have a lot of money, they just care about the bottom line mostly, yeah. you know, like it's really what's, it's about making money. That's really what this is. Um, like you know, the reason why the Oakland A's are becoming the Las Vegas A's is because of money. That's why. Um, I think that there would be potential for those um, for those those organizations to kind of stick around if a if a merger is accomplished. Uh, but I could see it. Um, I could see it go, going the other way. Them saying, "No, we're not interested." So it's really just a coin flip. It really just depends really calling the shots for those companies and who they choose to be associated with.
0: What I learned on Friday. So we had KB on to, to discuss as a third party within the whole situation. And obviously his, um his go-to is, is lacrosse and he had bought up the, the MLL PLL merger. And essentially what it wasn't even really a merger in, in the situation that we're seeing it now where PGA tour is clearly trying to look for despite, yes, no, they're not going bankrupt, but, they do need a financial backing of some sort in order to try and keep up and keep pace with what Liv is doing to stay competitive. I, I had this idea after we had gotten off on Friday. He had mentioned that the PLL essentially was a, an offshoot lacrosse league that was going to give the players more equity, was going to essentially create, a, create teams, markets, whatever it may be, that are catered more to the players rather than the bottom line. And essentially, and it, it all happened over one player, which was Lyle Thompson. And the PLL won at the end of the day. For those of you who obviously don't watch much lacrosse, the PLL everybody jumped to the PLL because it was the more popular option. It gave the players more of an equity stake, it got them more involved. And while, yes, there were teams as opposed to the PGA Tour that had, um, that has independent contractors as players, it actually had some sort of semblance of, uh, um, of sustainability, which was something that the MLL didn't have for a long time. You guys were only making five hundred dollar game checks. Like, and granted, the money still isn't there yet for the PLO either. But at the very least, equity is involved. They have a contract now with ESPN. There's, there's motives there. One of the things that I realized was that in the case that the PIF joins up with the PGA Tour, it almost feels like at some juncture with Live still existing that they're going to offer players equity. They're going to expand more teams. There's obviously on any given week on the PGA Tour a field of of 150-some-odd guys. So you could easily make 40, 50 different teams of four players, utilize what what Liv is doing with free agency, with player trading, with signing, with qualifying events, which they just recently got three new qualifiers that automatically get bids onto Liv. There's more money payout. There's no more worry about having to make the cut every single week. They pay for caddy fees. They pay for traveling fees, hotels, whatever it may be. It almost gives me a gives me some sort of inkling that despite the fact the PGA Tour has been around for over 150 years, something to me gives me a feeling that Liv might win solely because the PIF behind it now has a stake in the PGA Tour, and they have infinite money under their own creation. Do you think that maybe, like, do you think maybe we see a world where if the PIF joins up, joins up at the PGA Tour, or even in a complete countermeasure, goes private investment over over the PIF, and live wins either way? Because at the end of the day, the PIF simply has more money than anybody else could imagine.
1: Wait a minute. So you're saying if the PIF and the PGA Tour join? Is it
0: still yeah, pos- yeah, like, is it still possible that Liv becomes the main tour and the PGA tour almost kind of fails, ceases to exist? Well,
1: no, because the PIF and because then merge with the PGA tour because Liv is funded by the PIF.
0: Yes, but I'm saying that they would merge to just be Live. I don't, I don't think- I,
1: like. No, no, it would still be the PGA Tour. I'm sure of it. The PGA Tour, it wouldn't go defunct. It wouldn't cease to exist. It would just be partnering up with someone else. It wouldn't just be changed to live. I just, I don't see how that would happen. No,
0: no. There's something about it that gives me a an eerie feeling, and particularly if they wind up going the route of just uh, private investment from John Henry. Well, yes, that that investment group does have a lot of money. They're also putting it out of their own pockets and going up with, let's say, $50 billion of net assets opposed to the PIF, who has $500 billion of assets. At some point, something's got to give, which gives me the the weird the weird thought that while everyone thought the MLL would, would, would exist forever, or we always thought whatever, there obviously hasn't been a situation, or like the ABA, right, in basketball, everyone thought the ABA was the original it obviously changed to the NBA due to the merger. Same thing happened with, with the NFL divisions. Granted, the NFL was always the NFL, but the the AFL versus the NFL eventually all became one entity. But the AFL h- had better teams. Part of me doesn't, doesn't think that the idea of the PGA Tour going to fund is a is something that just can't happen. It's seen it happen before across all sports, albeit 60, 70 years ago in their sports when the money wasn't necessarily a a factor it was more so, so the teams that were involved and also yeah, money wasn't really as big.
1: Yeah. But someone, something going defunct, that means that you just failed financially. There, there's a difference between a merger and an organization. Right, yes.
0: Yeah. So wording wise. Yes. I don't think the PGA tour will ever go bankrupt. They're not going to basically just die out, but if they do end up merging or alternatively, the PGA tour doesn't merge with, P- with the PIF that, eventually everyone's just going to go to live because the PGA tour can't compete anymore.
1: It, what people are understanding is that live doesn't want everyone from the PGA tour. If they wanted everyone, they probably would have gotten most of the guys already. Okay. Want the best. Yes, they want the best, but at the bottom, the bottom line is that there's only so many spots they can give up. There's only so many, so many guys they can sign because there's only, only going to be so many spots available per year depending on whose contracts run out, who gets dropped from their contract based on how they finish at the end of the, at the end of that specific year. They don't they're not going to sit there in every single PGA tour player. That's not really their goal. I think that their goal is to basically say, "We have the money. You guys have the TV contracts, the tradition. Overall, yes, you have the best players even though we have very high profile ones." um you guys have the best schedule we have but at the end of the day we provide you guys and let's just make this happen so the PJ tour it's not going to go defunct they're not going to go bankrupt i just think there's a world where is it possible that the PJ tour just becomes the second best tour in the world now absolutely for sure because yeah. The the goal will no longer be to go to the PGA tour. The goal will be to get to live because the money's just better. That's just yeah. a fact. You know, you're gonna be getting guaranteed money and you're gonna be making way more money on top of that based on your contracts, um and at the events themselves, like that by default makes the money better, which makes the live more appealing than the PGA tour. So when push comes to shove, the secondary investment option. They're just a safety blanket, albeit I think a weak safety blanket. The PJ Tour will never go defunct. There's absolutely no way because that would mean Corn Ferry Tour goes defunct, to Canada goes defunct, uh, the Americas Tour goes defunct. To All those feeder tours to the PJ Tour, then just poof, they're gone. That's never going to happen.
0: No, I totally agree. I think that, that there's, you're right, the live would wind up being the dominant force. And of, and of course, We've already seen it with ROM. The idea of creating a new team expansion further on from the forty-eight player field than they started with. I think they will ultimately expand as more and more go, and they're going to delve into the reg- to the relegation idea and kind of kind of like what soccer has, where they have a, a second division of live. I think as as that grows, you'll see more and more of this PGA tour almost become like the, I guess the minor leagues or or the the next stage past like college essentially to then get to live, ultimately being on top. I think that, that that's a more like a scenario. Very well said, Ben. I, I appreciate you kind of taking, taking my words and elaborating them a, a little more. Yeah. Shifting gears, though, one of the funnier events of the week, Rory McElroy, he's on some sort of a bender, and this is the opportunity for Ben to have his absolute uh, – his ream show on Rory. For those of you who didn't see it on Twitter, tweeted out calling out Henry Stenson saying, So essentially, with John Rahm jumping to live, he had made mentions that the Ryder Cup rules need to change to include John Rahm because the Europeans need John Rahm in, or- in order to compete. And then someone said, Oh, well, like, how about Ian Poulter and Sergio Garcia and Henrik Stenson? And he said, Oh, the best thing that happened to-, to the Ryder Cup in 2023 was Henry Stenson jumping to live, so he couldn't be on the team. The Twitter world blew up. Liv went crazy. Everyone was calling him an old drunkard. Lee Westwood said, I remember my first beer, in quote, to that tweet. Is Rory just completely out of line? Is he losing touch? Is he losing the, the sense of leadership the PJ Tour needs?
1: He was never fit to be a leader in the first place. Uh, and I am not talking about Rory McElroy until he wins a major. That's it. I'm done talking about
0: him. I honestly don't have anything to add here. I do think that to think that he's absolute. Uh, he he's on something. Whether it's, dating back to even the Ryder Cup when he was going going at at Joe Lacava and then in the parking lot of Bones, the idea that Rory McIlroy has been on this like pedestal for the last three years trying to defend the PGA Tour and. And B the be the face that golf needs with Tiger Woods not really in the fold through the recovery. I think this is the kind of the cherry on top. He's kind of just lost it, and Dan, and Dan Rapport had tweeted it out, and we had mentioned it on Friday that Patrick Cantlay is basically calling the shots now in the players only meetings. Where to my response is? Where's Rory McIlroy? What what's his involvement now? He left the policy board. He has no more say in in that side. Now it's Jordan Spieth's game to play. He says he has a lot going on. The TGL isn't starting until 2025. Like what's up with with Rory? To me, that's an absolute mystery, and I'm I'm like kind of scared almost to see like what the future holds for him, uh, because it seems just like a down downward trend. From here on out, it's just not really going to change anytime soon.
1: By the way, I'm dead serious. I am not talking about him until he wins a major. So if you have questions, you can answer them. But I'm just going to respond by saying I'm not – he hasn't won a major um, yet. Yeah, uh, it's been how long? 10 years? 11 years? Uh, on 10 years. 2014 Open Championship, I think. No, uh, PJ Championship. PJ Championship was last time he won a major. So, yeah, we're approaching 10 years, and – um. Until he wins a major, I will I will not be answering any questions regarding him. I will just be giving you the same answer, which is I am not speaking about Rory McElroy until he wins a major.
0: I am so excited for our show after the holiday when we do our uh, our season predictions. And I ask you, will Rory McElroy finally win the Grand Slam at at Augusta in April. Not only I the said, question of the year. I think
1: I said he, he would going... I think I might have said he would win going into this year uh, at the Masters. I don't know. We
0: Yeah, we had very early predictions. I think now we're going to... We're going to but do it, honestly,
1: again. Those weren't like... I don't really think that those were official predictions. And besides, predictions change because it's not even the same calendar year, in my opinion. So, whatever. Yeah, exactly.
0: Well, yeah, no, I... Our prediction show is the upcoming show post holiday. So, I've
1: had enough. I've had enough.
0: Yeah, I've had enough. Well, there you go, folks. We're gonna take a short break. On the other side, special guest Alex Giles, two-time All-American, joining the pod discussing her career and her life as a college golf coach at at Seminole State, the one of the JUCO studs in the uh, in in the, the golf game. Folks, don't go anywhere. Huge interview coming up. We'll see you soon. Get in the Hole is brought to you by PHI Apparel Company, our incredible
1: merch partners. PHI Apparel Co. provides unique designs and high-quality clothing from T-shirts to hoodies for every golfer around. With their original designs for all, there's no doubt you'll stand out on the course, the driving range, or at the 19th hole. Go to PHIapparel.co and use code UNDERGROUND at checkout for 10% off any order. That's code UNDERGROUND at PHIapparel.co and grab exclusive Get In The Hole podcast merch and
0: support your
1: favorite golfers.
0: Welcome back into the Get In The Hole podcast. Ben Piero, Stephen McAvoy, joining us this week on everyone's favorite podcast, Alex Giles, the resume speaks for itself as a youngin in the golf world getting, uh, getting her wings and spreading out. Two-time NJCC, NJCAA. I can't, I can't speak today. National champion, two-time All-American. She has four college titles to her name. The Southland Conference champion, and she has played in the NCAA Regional as an individual this past year. I'm going to assume that did a damn good job. Alex, thank you for joining us this week. Ben, thank you for getting Alex on. Of course, you two are familiar with each other, so I appreciate that. And with that, tell the crowd a little, little bit, a bit about yourself. Of course, we know what your resume is, but uh, what got you into golf? How did you get into this field? And what are you looking forward to as your career progresses?
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, Alex Giles from, from England, originally. Uh, Moved here five years ago to go to college. Um, Didn't really have a great junior career, was never anything special, but knew that I wanted to come to America to play collegiate golf. So that I did. Started at Seminole State, um, which is a junior college in, in Central Florida, where where we are right now. Um, had two great years there, and then COVID happened. Got an extra year. Um, so I won twice at Seminole State, and then we won two national championships. Our 2020 national championship got canceled because of COVID. So I did my extra year and then won in my third year. And then I transferred to a small Division One school in San Antonio, Texas, Incarnate Word. Um, they were terrible when I got there, ranked <laughs> like one, I think we were ranked like 150. And by the time we left, we got, uh, I left, we got to like top 70. Oh, wow. um, head coach left and now they're collapsing again unfortunately but they were two great years as well um we broke a lot of records in those two years um we didn't have many players uh, my third year fourth year of college we only had five players so everyone had to go to the to the tournament so it was tough but yeah we won two two events and as i say broke a lot of records and uh Came close at conference both times, but had had a great time there. And then uh, graduated, moved back here to Orlando, took a job at the Mike Bender Golf Academy as a house parent and uh, kind of do some junior coaching as well. And then also the assistant coach at Seminole State.
0: Awesome. Very That's cool nice yeah. so what when when going over your like career let's kind of start all the way from the beginning of course so back at home uh from england of course by the way love the accent i was telling ben about, about it before the show i was like i love <laughs> no no ben thinks i'm so freaking weird i've had this like, like like obsession i guess you can call it with the british population i went to england um, on a connection flight to malta my first time ever ever in europe and i was just like oh my god like Everything they say about England is completely true, and I absolutely loved it. Uh, I was there for like five, six hours. It was a amazing time. Anyways, I'm- <laughs> go, let's go all the, all the way back. Beginning of your golf career, who taught you to get into the game? What inspired you to get started? Obviously, uh, in, the, in the home of golf, the, the United Kingdom, having so much experience in golf around you, uh, what made you want to pursue golf as a full-time career?
2: My dad, my dad, and, and his dad was a great player. Unfortunately, I never got to meet my granddad, but um, my dad's a still a great player. He's always been around scratch plus figures. Um, played all his life, should have really played as a pro, but didn't. Money was not good back then. Um, and we all know it's tough. So, yeah, he, he really got me into it. I uh, used to spend all day every day out there with him. We would drive my mum crazy. Um we were never at home, but yeah, we would we would be on the golf course till till dark often. So, yeah, he was and I still love playing with him. He's great to play with. Have a great relationship with my dad and a lot of our conversation is golf. So, yeah, him. Um, And then obviously as you, you know, get into golf, you've got golfing figures that you look up to Um, from a young age. For me, it was like Tiger Woods, Rory McIlroy, Ben's favorite guy. And uh, (laughs) who else? Didn't really watch a lot of women's golf, but a lot of the Korean players Mm -hmm. I just thought were awesome. Um, And then some British people, local people. Chris Wood, don't know if you've heard of Chris Wood. Played in the Ryder Cup a few years ago.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: He's at my home club, so got to watch him practice, play a lot. Uh, had a lot of good amateurs in my county that I lived in, so I was in a great place for golf in England. We were one of the best counties in the country, so we got a lot of uh, a lot of great players.
0: Did we lose Ben already? If we did, we have a we have a long uh, long interview ahead of us. Uh, so we talk like uh, t- tell me t- tell me a bit about like in terms of um, playing as a junior, growing through the ranks. Is it similar in England as it is to the states, where like high school teams, uh, primary school teams, same, same kind of idea, and then you work your way up. Of course, there's obviously university and um, in England and across the country, but. Um, is is the rank kind of the same? What made you want to uh, come to the States once once all was said and done in in your junior career?
2: Yeah, you don't play... We don't play high school golf. Um, If you go to... So college in England is from 16 to 18. So it's Mm -hmm. like high school years here. Um, So we play... Yeah, you play. You can go to a college that kind of specializes in golf, Mm. Um, but I did that. I did. I did one year at one place and then did another year at another place, and it was good, but not anything like college golf here. Um, You just kind of play in a few tournaments. There's a couple different leagues. Um, So yeah, it's not really anything like it is here. Uh, You'll see a lot of. British, European people wanting to come to college in America because mm-hmm. it's so competitive. But we don't have that in England, really, at all. So, yeah, it was just more junior golf. I played a lot of junior golf. Um, you've got all the English girls, British girls, English women's, and then you've got all your regional events and your mm-hmm. county events. So that was kind of what I did. Um, and I was, I was very successful in, like, the regional at the regional level um i had a couple good events nationally but never anything crazy but yeah i always felt like i was a bit of a a bit of a big fish in a small pond because i was very good in my county and i I think i won the yeah i won the county championship like two years in a row oh geez which, which didn't happen very often so and we were a strong county so yeah Yeah. but nationally never really did anything i wasn't really heavily recruited by colleges before coming here it's kind of why i ended up at a junior college
0: do you typically see a a lot of recruitment from the um from europe to to the states i feel like it's, it's for the very very few and far between
2: yeah it's you now you look at college rosters Mm -hmm. men's and women's and throughout I mean division one division two probably not so much division three but and also at the at the junior college level there's a lot of Europeans um Europeans and Asian and yeah it's it's become very very popular and you know it's nice because you don't have to be a great player to come come play college golf Mm -hmm. um which is which is great because we're getting people that from England that I haven't really ever heard of, you know, and I'm pretty familiar with the the kind of the junior the junior golf scene in England. And there's yeah. there's players I haven't really heard of, and they're going to 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 good schools. So it's 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 cool. It's cool to see.
1: Alex, you had mentioned that you. Now the assistant coach, the assistant coach at Seminole State. Um, What is, because I have kind of like my own theory as to what college coaches kind of look for in players. And I know, I know, depending on the program, depending on the coach, depending on the personalities that are already on the team, what one coach looks for might be different from another coach. What are things that you and Chris to specifically look for when you're recruiting players to go to Seminole State?
2: Yeah, Seminole State's a little different because we're a junior college. Mm-hmm. Um, typically, the people that come to a junior college need a junior college, whether it's for, you know, language purposes—they English isn't their first language, or they they have some kind of learning issue, disability, whatever, uh, injury, that kind of thing. So the people that come to Seminole State need us and usually they progress on to do great things um but personally and Krista, i know is, is 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 the same we look at attitude is a big one um you know and you have to want to work you have to want to buy into what we do and we've got a great program um we can go into that but we, we do a lot of things that Division One schools don't do and they don't really know about. Um, so buy-in is a big one. They have to, you know, we tell them what we do and they have to want to, to kind of, because there's a lot of kids that, that want to come play for us. We're, we're a great school. Um, and me personally, I do look at technique. Um, I don't know so much about Krista, but you know when she sends me kids' profiles, I look at their videos, and I think you can tell how good a player is going to be. And this may this is a bold statement, but how good a player is going to be uh, just from looking at how they hit a bunker shot, how they hit a chip shot, putting stroke, that kind of thing, setup, fundamentals, all those things. So I look at that.
1: So they so okay. That's interesting because when I was coming out of high school, um, I was told they're like, you know, yeah, you can send videos of you know the traditional like you had putts, chip shots, pit shots, bunker shots, wedge shots, seven iron, driver, so forth. You can do that, but that's not really like the thing to do anymore. So what you're saying is you guys still look at that stuff? Am I am I correct?
2: Oh yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, if a kid doesn't send their videos, or I'll find them on Instagram.
1: Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Now, do you think it can be hard because like, I have friends that have played at the junior college level, and um, in, specifically in golf and baseball, um, and I've heard – I'm not sure if it's the same. I never asked them this question, but I've football in junior colleges. Uh, it can be really hard to get the guys all on the same page to buy in because they're all basically there to try to get out. Is that something that you notice uh, being in the position that you're in, or do you think that it's pretty easy to get the girls to buy in? If so, is it because it's a, a different sport or just because of your resume and Krista's resume? Uh, how do you feel about that?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. It's, it is very different for golf. Um Typically, we haven't really had an issue with kids buying into what we do. I think it's because it is very cutting edge and Krista's great. Um, she's had a lot of success with what she does. Um, but for baseball, we see it a lot at Seminole State. Yeah, they're there to get out. They're, you know, they just – that's kind of how that goes. And I think it is a sport thing. Yeah. Um, you don't really see that kind of attitude at uh, the junior college level with golf because um, they kind of have to graduate, do their two years, and move on. It's rare you see a player stay at a junior college for one year and move on to a Division One or whatever. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little different with golf.
0: I want to elaborate more on this uh, difference, b- difference between Juco and the division one level, because they're obviously, I feel like we get kind of wrapped up um, in the idea that division one is everything. And at the end of the day, you see it with even shows like Last Chance U and other um, programs. I had a friend who, who started out playing, um, who was a runner in, in D3 at, at Muhlenberg. He moved on to, to go D1 in his final two years. You look at the differences between Juco and the limitations that you have and the way that you guys have to operate. And speaking from personal experience, of course, you've had this um experience as well. What's the biggest takeaway that you've taken away from from being a part of a JUCO and having to work within those parameters and then carrying it over to as a coach? Um kind of kind of kind of now looking at it from a different lens almost, what do you teach your your athletes? How do they um acclimate to the situation? And how do you guys come out stronger at the end of the day?
2: Yeah. As you say, it's very different. It's it's tough. Um, what do they call themselves? JUCO bandits. <laughs> yeah. It's you know they it. You're there for two years, and you know you've only got two years to prove yourself. Mm-hmm. And then you you either go play big D one or you don't. And the majority of players obviously want to go big D one. Um, so. Yeah, from a coaching perspective, it's funny looking back at kind of how I acted, my teammates acted in that kind of situation, um, knowing you've only got two years, but two years is actually a long time too. It's, Mm -hmm. It's a longer time than what you realize, and if you come in with the right mindset and the willingness to get better and to take in all the resources that are available to you. Um, You can get a lot better in two years, a lot better. And, you know, we've we've had players that don't need to get much better, um, especially our ones that come from Japan, um, Thailand. They're great players, but they're not NCAA qualifiers. Mm-hmm. because of English purposes. So they have to go to a junior college to learn English to move on. So we've had a couple players who are studs. I mean, we've got one girl who's at Oregon right now, and they're a top five team in the country. Pac-12. Are they pack 12 I think they're Pac-12.
0: I think they're going they're gonna, they're gonna to jump to the Big Ten at some uh, point. But
1: Technically, yeah. they're Pac-12 through the end of next year. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
2: yeah, like insane um we've had a girl go to south carolina they've got a great women's golf program so baylor um so and that's purely for english purposes so as i say it does definitely depend on your circumstances um you know we've had girls that are late bloomers who come and they get good very late or they start the game late um one of our girls this year Tabitha last year she didn't she wasn't even in the the lineup a lot and this year she's won she won a tournament and she's like our top one in our top three players she's she's awesome doing great and she's got bought into everything we we offer and she's gotten a lot better in a year so yeah it's it's not difficult for us to get that kind of buy-in because I think they feel like, oh my God, I only have two years. I I have to, mm-hmm. um, I have to to get better. Uh, but really, it's not. And the thing that I preach a lot to them is take in everything you have because it's this will never happen again. You know, it's the e- it really is the easiest four years of your life. And, you know, there's a, a bit of a stigma right now with college sports and how it's affecting people's mental health, whatever. Um, it's the, It was the easiest five years of my life. I had a great time. Everything's given to you on a plate. You get a schedule. You know what you're doing every day. And And I try and preach that to the girls because that's That was one of my biggest, like, oh, my God. Now I have to do everything for myself. Mm -hmm. So, and I think, you know, when you're late in in college, you, you start to see that, like, oh, yeah, actually, this is really cool. Like, I'm literally getting to do what I love for my career, pretty much, and I'm getting paid to do it. You're getting a free education yeah so um, when you look at it that way, it's a lot easier to have success I think
0: what's the biggest challenge for you as a administrator and a uh, and a coach that um, or, or like the biggest roadblock that you do have as a juco that a division one school doesn't necessarily have to worry about
2: time I would say time and money um, we have no money (laughs) our budget is very small um and we haven't got much time with these girls Mm -hmm. I said two years actually seems like a lot but in reality it's not um so but yeah our budget for sure when you compare it to a a division one school it's kind of laughable but um we make the best of it we've got great donors all that stuff uh, who support us a lot. And we play in a schedule that, that kind of suits us. We don't travel a whole lot. We play in great events in Florida, in South Georgia. So yeah, that's that would be the big one.
1: Um, what have you noticed? Have you noticed a difference in your perspective going from player to coach? um since being in college and now actually coaching people that have that are that are in that you how has your perspective changed
2: it's changed a lot um and i've done a lot of thinking about you know when i was in college it's like i look back and i think oh my god i was so stupid (laughs) but it, it's allowed me to have a lot more uh, patience, I think, with these girls. Because um, I can relate to them. Because it was like last year for me, I was in college last year. Um, so <clears throat> I think that's really helped me. Um, but also, yeah, it's definitely changed my perspective. I mean, being a coach and I feel like you feel all those same feelings you do as a player. You're just not hitting the the ball. Um, And that brings out a whole new (laughs) new side in me. I see things in players that are like, they do stupid and crazy things um, on the golf course that I probably did myself. And, you know, you don't think anything of it, but. Yeah, you see things as a coach you don't see as a player. That's for sure.
0: Well, what's the, the hardest part of going from playing and having to adjust, basically your whole like ideology? Because for a long time, it's always you're focusing in on yourself. Now you're focusing in on everybody else. What's been the biggest adjustment for you going from player to coach?
2: Yeah, it's, it's working with different types of people. And everyone's different. And we work with mental golf type. I know Ben works with John mental golf type as well. Um, it's an unbelievable system, and honestly, it's made my kind of adjustment into coaching a whole lot easier because uh, I have a a system for each person on the team. Um, but yeah, learning how to communicate with with players is a is a whole new new ball game for me. Um, I think I do a pretty good job at it um, as a beginner. Uh, I am a beginner. Um, But yeah, I try and be around coaches, people. I'm very good friends with a lot of great Division I coaches. I try and learn from them as much as possible. Um, One of my best friends is my coach at who was at incarnate word she's now the head coach at cincinnati um a great coach and i'm my boss is is one of the the best coaches in the country Mm -hmm. so you know basically i can learn from two of the best coaches arguably in the country um but yeah i just i gotta keep an open mind and and know that i'm gonna make mistakes And I remind my players of that too. Um, You know, it's my first time doing this and I am gonna say the wrong thing at the wrong time, but you know, that's something that I'm gonna learn from and and so are they. Um, So it's, it's a nice position to be in. And I think when everyone has understanding for each other, it breeds for a good situation.
1: Please tell your coach, uh, well, your your friend, who's a coach at Cincinnati. I'm sorry for their uh, devastating loss to my Xavier Musketeers. Anyway, uh, segueing into the next question. Um,
0: he always you, finds a way. He
1: always he does, finds a way. He, We're yeah, he talks, superior. He talks we, like
2: you, he was a point guard for the, for the Xavier Musketeers, but he-
1: University in the beautiful city of Cincinnati.
2: But he was um, on their worst, he was on Xavier's
1: worst team. <laughs> 100%, 100%, I don't care. Ouch. Ouch. I, see German jacket. I openly admit he owned UC at everything
0: except for men's golf. It's yeah. A
1: hundred,
0: yeah. <laughs> really the, the one thing that you can easily give Xavier credit for though is they have a great color scheme. I give them that. Oh, it's dynamite. Good. It's so good. Anyway, let's and, uh, let's yeah. not get off, off topic.
1: I just got us off topic. Um, looking at this, your like your side of like as like being a player. When you're personally struggling with your golf game, how, what do you do to get out of that funk? Is it more technical work? Is it analyzing kind of like your decisions mentally, your attitude? What exactly are you looking into specifically? To reflect.
2: For me, it's never technique, really. Um, I do like one, one or two things wrong and the rest of it's like set up. So mostly I'll spend a lot of time doing alignment, that kind of stuff when I'm having issues, but it's all mental for me. Um, And as a coach, becoming a coach, I've become so aware of, of that too. And I think I, pick up on when I'm making mental mistakes. Um, I've started playing a little bit again, and I definitely noticed myself making those mistakes like much easier than what I did when I was a player. So I think having that experience as a coach has definitely helped me as a player.
0: When when you were going through your, um, your college career and obviously you've graduated um, Quite recently, so you literally made the jump straight into coaching. Was the plan always to be a coach, or are you, or are you simultaneously working on your own game to eventually go pro or some sort of uh, tour in the future?
2: Yeah, the plan was always to play professional golf. Hmm. Um, my college career, I seem to have just been riddled with different injuries. Um, so, I kind of got to a point where it was like, is it going to be worth the, you know, because I'm going to be practicing more, is it going to be worth the, the time and the money to, to do it? Uh, and I, I was lucky that I got this this job at the Mike Bender Academy, because I, I thought at the time, it's going to be great, I have a per- place to practice, and I'm, you know, being paid, and mm-hmm. I got somewhere to live. Um, so I'm, I'm very grateful that I, I, I'm still able to go and and work on my own game. Um, doing that a lot more now, but yeah, I do have a, a view to play Q Score in 2024, whether that be European tour or LPGA, I don't know. Um, but hopefully LPGA, that would be great, but I also wouldn't mind moving back home and, playing european stuff so don't know we'll have to have to wait and see but yeah that is definitely in the cards
1: steven have you seen her swing
0: no actually i have you know when ben uh told me that you were coming on i had a packed weekend and i basically had no time to check anything out is that from your, that from your <laughs> a very light breeze of social media yeah but No, I, I have not seen the swing
1: so you both know i don't give compliments out very often um she really? has one. Of the, shut up. She has. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, and I've said this to you, Alex, before, she has one of the most fundamentally sound golf swings I've seen, um, especially out of college. I think a lot of players can actually, depending on, I think, you know, depending on what what program you come from and, um, good the program is like some people can really develop bad habits coming out of college just to, really it just, just depends on the coach um, but Alex is one of the most fundamentally sound swings I've seen from someone like right out of college and like I she was hitting balls the other day and like she, I really hadn't seen you hit balls in a long time and I was like yeah it looks pretty good yeah. <laughs> you know I uh, you know, we'll, we'll go play and you know I'll you know I'll win but you know other than that you know. yeah, the, yeah does Ben win though? <laughs> that's what no 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 don't answer don't answer it that's one of the questions next don't answer it don't answer it don't, oh, answer, okay, okay, okay. don't okay. answer it
0: I guess I I guess if we're if we're already digging there we, we might as well segue no no no, uh, no I have no, one more no. important question oh. actually one more one more important question You're killing me here
1: Smalls all right go ahead please you, you drive me insane knock it off. <laughs> Oh, really? Back yeah, at Really? Us. Anyway, Alex, I know, you know, you're kind of just getting back into the playing aspect. Uh, how do you structure your practices on say like a non-tournament week versus a tournament week where you're kind of gearing up or getting ready to play? Uh, are you playing more leading up to the tournament? Or are you playing less like in an off week? How exactly do you go about doing that? For someone who's looking to get better in tournament golf, And is looking to budget their time more effectively
2: yeah uh that's a good question because just like probably the average person watching the show i work a few jobs as well so i'm trying to kind of do my own practice around around working um but yeah when i'm no tournament is it's a lot of on the range i'm doing a lot of swing stuff that i know i need to work on um What You know, if you, if you take lessons, that kind of thing, just from a, from a, a teacher. Um, kind of get help from people at the Mike Fender Academy. So work on my swing a little bit. A lot of alignment. I'm huge on that. Alignment ball position is like my biggest, biggest thing. Um And kind of doing yeah. a lot of speed training as well. Uh, I don't hit it really far. So I try and... Do as much speed stuff uh, when I can. Uh, putting as well, same technique, that kind of stuff. Uh, chipping, I feel like technique is is pretty good. So, but during a tournament week, I do, I like really pound the short game, uh, lag putting, short putts, and I play a bunch. Um, I found when I was in college. During the season, I really wouldn't see the driving range for, like, five months. I would just, you know, go to the driving range to warm up and then go play. And I would play a lot. So, yeah, I love to play. I feel like that's where you learn how to play golf, to be honest. Um, And even now, at this stage, you can always learn more. And uh, that's definitely the best thing for me, personally, playing
0: God knows that I can use a, a lesson or two on alignment. <laughs> he's really you know, this yes. guy, he, got, he aims like 50
1: yards right, and he's like, Why am I coming over the top and like, hitting it like this? I'm, like, well, <laughs> I'm a. Up over there. Come I'm on. I like want
0: the, like the world's most okayest golfer for the average Joe. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Keep telling yourself that, dude. Okay. You know, I I, I take pride in the fact that only twenty seven percent of golfers in the world can break a hundred, and I am up <laughs> the that. I can almost that break ninety. Unbelievable! That is the thing. Anyway, Although all my, right. That's my, my early my my early year goal of becoming a single single digit handicapper was completely washed. I anyway. tried. I, I, I'm a fourteen now. I started the year at. Out of well, I started the year at a fourteen. I basically didn't move. The needle the needle didn't move at all.
2: Come That's on, like, Steven.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll figure it out. We'll try we'll, we'll try and make it work. So all right.
1: So we're gonna do some rapid fire questions. Um, we're I'm gonna buff. run through this pretty quick.
0: Steven, lead us off, sir. Alex, first thing that comes to your mind for every single one of these answers, do not think about them. How many pillows do you sleep with? Two. Socks, then shoes, or sock, shoe, sock, shoe?
2: Socks, then shoes.
0: What's the hardest shot in golf to perfect?
2: 40-yard bunker shot.
0: Where did you find that question? Oh, I have so many. I have so many random-ass questions that, that, that Dude, I dig up. from look, what our
1: time. Was the list that I typed up? Oh, my gosh. That's why I said otter even.
0: All right, anyway.
1: Um, what three items are you bringing to a deserted island?
0: You can't leave the island, by the way.
1: So oh, that's tough. I didn't even think about that. <laughs>
2: uh, a 58-degree wedge.
1: Ooh, like <laughs> that one.
0: Okay. It's a damn weapon.
2: A hat. Okay. And a golf ball.
0: So no water?
2: No. Nah. You can drink the oh, deserted island. Uh, yeah, yeah. And that's so. And awesome.
0: you, you, well, no, you, you you could boil ocean water and and, and filter it out if you ever want bear grills.
2: If I'm not gonna leave there, then yeah, the, the golf ball and the and the club.
0: It's I like uh, what's the movie with, with Tom Hanks? The uh, the volleyball. Wilson. What? <laughs> Wilson? Is it Wilson? Yeah. Well. the the volleyball's name is Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> like Castaway is it? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it there is. There you go. Uh, What's your go-to song in the car?
2: I got so many. Uh, right, right now is that? Is right that... now. Probably Drake and Nicki Minaj's new song.
0: Okay, I did. I
2: can't remember what it's called. Something needle. Turn the needle. Something. I can't remember.
1: It's a good song. Let's go. Celebrity Crush.
2: Oh, there's so many.
1: I know. We got to pick one. Come on.
0: Yeah, sure.
2: Ben, per- ben Perra. I know.
0: Ew. Ew. Oh, God. See, the last thing we need to, to do is gas, again. gas- him up more. See, she's still trying to marry me. or sure that green.
2: Yeah, part. yeah, for the green.
0: <laughs> I'm absolutely dead. What's, what's your favorite or most used app on your phone?
2: Spotify.
1: Solid. Are you a fan of Liv?
2: Does this have to be a fast answer?
1: Ah, this wow. one, take, take your time on this one. Take your time. On
2: <laughs> okay. The concept of Liv is ridiculous. I hate it. I hate it. This whole team thing and the names of the teams, whatever. I hate it.
0: The names suck. They do suck.
2: But, there's a big but. The more people go on about growing the game, what we're doing right now is not growing the game. Like, live has potential to grow the game. But the pros that are getting in the way of that, like the the likes of Rory McIlroy, his latest on Twitter has been pretty wild. Him doing this is not growing the game. And him, you know, remaining with the PGA Tour and saying, fuck you, live" pretty much, is not growing the game. I don't think. Because it's just creating more and more separation between Liv and the PGA Tour. I think the PGA Tour needs to just stop banning Liv players from playing in their events. And everyone's happy. A couple, I think Liv players would still play in a few PGA Tour events. But because there's been such a... There's such a hostile environment around that topic. It it's makes things... Yeah, it makes things really difficult, I think.
0: Until ultimately, so, until ultimately the PGA Tour goes, uh, goes bankrupt trying to keep track.
1: They're not right. going to go bankrupt. I'm so sick and tired of you saying that. They're not going to go bankrupt.
0: Oh they have God. no money. Dude, There's dude. a reason why they're trying to get back in bed with this, with this audience to begin with. Anyways, we, we digress. Your go-to coffee order.
2: Cafe con leche.
0: Fancy.
1: Um, All right. Who would win in the match, you or me?
2: When? Because you have a broken foot. And (laughs) I am terrible right now.
1: Wait, what? So if,
2: if you and I went at it right now, probably me.
1: In six well, months, let's just say, when I'm back to like normal, even though well, I'm not
2: that normal. also yeah. gives me six months of practice, and I'm pretty good. I'm pretty
0: good too. Jesus. Ben's 30 yard punch shots, max right now. Actually, I've got up to 50 yards today,
1: so joke's on you, son.
0: Proud probably of you
1: probably
2: probably you, Ben. I'll give it to you. Probably uh, you're,
1: su- you're such a sweetheart.
0: We're gonna have you on again.
2: I know, I'm so cool. <laughs>
0: Do you have any pre-round or pre-shot superstitions?
2: Uh, it's a weird one. Um, but when I was young and I would play in junior tournaments, my grandmother would always say, keep a bent pin in your pocket. So I do keep a bent pin in my golf bag at all times.
0: Interesting. That's yeah. true. Is, there, is, is there any like significance of that? Like, there's. Mm-hmm. Or, like, I have there are... no idea. We'll need grandma to explain more. Yeah, cool.
2: I have to ask her.
1: Okay, build your dream concert. You have three artists.
2: Mm. Okay. Hmm. Drake is definitely one of them. Cause mine aren't. Uh, then I would go. Probably Peggy Goo.
0: Who? Who? Peggy Goo. Peggy,
2: Peggy Goo. Uh, DJ, really cool.
1: Okay. Oh, think. house like EDM.
2: Yeah, she's house music.
1: Oh, I need to look
2: this up. And then probably Diplo.
0: I dig. I saw Diplo at the Belmont Stakes. The zero shit was lit.
2: Oh, that's.
0: <laughs> It was so good. I I had never been to an EDM concert. Oh my is god! So- and I was out. I was I was riding the high. I had made seven hundred dollars on on a, on the horse race before the concert started, Because it was like the stakes was like at seven. The concert was at five. I was sitting there like a degenerate watching all the prelim races, and I had won seven hundred dollars. I'm drunk off my ass, and I'm like, "Oh, it's Diplo," and I'm just like like bobbing and weaving. Like absolute wacko!
2: I can't believe I'm gonna expose myself like this, but I actually went to EDC a couple years ago, and it was lit.
0: I love that. <laughs> That's absolutely amazing. I love it. Would you yeah. rather be? Would you rather always be too hot or too cold? Too cold. Interesting. For I sure. think we m- might have lost Ben again. I will. I'll go again. What's your go-to shot when you're nervous? Uh,
2: a little punchy cut.
0: The what's the what's the one golf club you can't live life without?
2: Fifty-eight degree wedge.
0: Also the weapon of choice for uh, for, for a deserved desert Yeah, I love it. What's yeah. the best flavor of chip? Jalapeno. Ooh, a little spicy. Uh, who would play you in a movie?
2: Who would play me in a movie? Probably Liam Neeson. (laughs) That's such a random comparative. I know, but it's so true.
0: People, uh, people tell me that I look like a cross between Seth Rogen and Jonah Hill. (laughs) I mean, it it it, it kind of works, but like, hopefully not like the the Moneyball or like Twenty One Jump Street Jonah Hill. Hopefully, like a little bit like skinnier. What's the, what's the most under most underrated item in your bag? Oh.
2: Um, probably the club cleaner.
0: Is there but- any specific brand that you carry?
2: Any specific brand of club cleaner?
0: Yeah, I I don't know. If it, people have like specifics.
2: No, I think I got mine from like the PGA Superstore. <laughs> I don't know what brand it is. Maybe Masters or something.
0: <laughs> ben, makeup ground. I'm like four questions deep. All right, I got
1: you. Weirdest place you've ever seen a TV. <laughs> what? That's so. What the hell? Kyle asked me this when I got back on the show. Like back. Uh... In... questions.
2: I think now i don't know that's so weird um
1: i saw i saw some in the bathroom at the urinals <laughs> yep msg um i was at black bear it's a golf course but yeah i yeah i know they do that at MSG. yeah
2: well. i feel like in a toilet or something in the bathroom like it's kind of a weird place for a tv but yeah i don't i don't know that's a that's a tough one don't pay attention enough
1: Okay, you're a Lions fan. How? Why? Okay. I understand why. I mean, we can't really speak, Steven. We're you're a Jets and I'm I'm a Jets and you're a Giants fan, so I Hey Tommy DeVito,
0: Tommy touchdowns. Oh my gosh, I take Detroit in Day of the Week.
2: Um so maybe four Thanksgivings ago, the Lions play every Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And I was just at Krista's house watching the Lions. And it was awesome. And didn't really think anything more of it. And then last year, uh, again, Thanksgiving, they played uh, Green Bay. I Or was this Thanksgiving? No, this, it wasn't Thanksgiving. This,
0: this Thanksgiving was Green Bay. They played. Yeah.
2: Okay, well... It was they played when they played Green Bay when Aaron Rodgers was still on the team. Am I getting this right?
0: Yeah, um, yeah, probably.
2: And they beat them, and it was insane. Like, it was such a cool game. But to go with that, Krista, who is the head coach at Seminole State, is from Windsor in uh, Ontario. Mm-hmm. So she is a Detroit Lions fan. So kind of that too, I guess. Fun fact.
0: I won a hundred dollar bet this Thanksgiving, betting on the Lions or betting on the sorry, sorry, betting on the Packers over the Lions. Because the Lions going into Thanksgiving that year, this year. Or 0-12 when the moon formation was a waxing gibbous. <laughs> and I told everyone, I told everyone in my family that everyone thought I thought, Stephen, you are the most degenerate gambler on the planet. Yeah. So there's no freaking way this happens. The Pirates were like plus 340. And I won. And they're all like, how the fuck did you guess this? And yeah. I'm like, tell you, man, waxing gibbous moons. So it is. This <laughs> is about
2: lie- this is about the time when the lines become a fucking disaster i know it oh yeah we've that's, done that's great for you god
1: damn it. um who has the most swag on tour
2: mm. um tony fino oh
1: that's a good one
0: yeah he does
2: yeah he got a lot going on there
0: When you play, do you go skirt, shorts, pants, three-quarter pants?
2: Oh pants.
0: What's the opinion on the three-quarter pants? They're basically capris.
2: Like, do you want a dumb fucking tan line? That's
0: (laughs) Tell Brooke Henderson that.
2: It's yeah, I don't get it.
1: Wow.
0: You guys have cursed more than I have, but I don't cursed at all. Um, well, I don't owe 20 bucks whenever I say it. So Yeah, me neither. I'll, I'll avoid. I'm up to 100. So. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> who's your dream foursome? Engulf. Enforcement. You're a child, Steven. You un- It's an important open. preface. It's an important preface. <laughs> can I fire him? Kyle, can I fire him, please?
2: Dream for Yes. Can they be dead too?
1: Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. sure.
2: Hogan. Ben Hogan. Uh Roger Federer.
1: Good one.
2: Messi. And probably Tiger. Solid. Yeah.
0: What's Solid. the what's the your favorite course you ever played?
2: I got two. They're at a tie. First one is Red Sky in Vale, Colorado. Place is sick. Other one is uh, Last Americas in Tenerife, which is a canary island. Interesting. Hmm. place was also incredible.
1: What's your best moment of your golf career?
2: Probably my third college title. Individual? Yeah. It was at, uh, it was Kennesaw State's event. It was at Pine Tree. And I shot 68, 68, 68. And it was uh, a lot of fun.
0: Pretty damn good. What's your biggest on-course pet peeve?
2: Probably when people... Stand, the other side of the hole when I'm hitting. When you're putting,
1: that one. Ah, dream vacation.
2: Um, I've been really wanting to go to Canada. Oh. never been really wanted to go to like i see on social media all the time is it banff yeah banff, banff. It's, it just looks so beautiful b-a-n-double-f
1: yeah i know i know what you're talking about i think that might be alaska is that alaska
2: no no it's, it's definitely canada it's, it's near calgary i think oh
1: uh, yeah i yeah. didn't, I didn't it just I didn't looks,
2: looks so beautiful yeah, definitely, I, definitely would love to go there.
1: I didn't pay attention in school, so my geography is mm. didn't pay attention to a lot of things.
2: How do you uh, mark your golf ball? How do I mark my golf ball? So my lucky number is six, um, and it's also just my dad's birthday is the sixth of the sixth, nineteen sixty-six. He's oh, the shit. devil. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh so, the devil. um so I write a six in uh Roman numerals, which is, is it like one V, I think.
0: It's VI? Yeah.
2: Or VI, yeah. VI? Yeah.
1: Why do car why, why do we park cars in driveways but drive on parkways? That is the most Ben
2: Pirro question I've <laughs> ever heard in my life. <laughs> I, have even, I,
0: have, I have an even funnier follow-up to this, so. Go for it. We you answered the good. question. Answer hey, first. How about I don't know? <laughs> I don't know either. I thought maybe you would know. Do, do cars in the Pixar movie Cars, that universe, do they have car insurance or life insurance?
1: I have an answer to that one, but Alex, you go ahead.
2: Car insurance.
1: Ben. I, they have car insurance because that's
0: their form of life insurance. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, at that point... They, that's at, at exactly that point,
2: what I was... At thinking. that
0: point, the answer is just life insurance then. <laughs> the, well, no, it's just
1: all the same. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess technically you can't go wrong. Um, this is my last one. Favorite co-host? Oh, man.
0: Well, it, if he keeps let's, cursing, is he? If, ben if, is I, haven't, not,
1: I haven't cursed. What are you I'm say, just saying ben, By, by ben years not end. not
2: you, if that's what you're after.
1: I know it's not me. I just want to
0: give Steven a little bit of a, you know, a jolt, you know? Hey, no, Ben, he, nah, he, both, he both
2: of you thought. are awesome.
0: Oh, he totally ben. thought that, that that you'd say him, just saying. no, <laughs> <All> right, <let's laughs> no. No way. Final question of the show. Where do you see yourself in five years?
2: Uh, Hopefully teaching golf. Maybe a college coach and still playing a little.
0: Well said. Alex, thank you so thank you so much for joining us. Been a incredible time. Probably one of the one of the funnier uh, hours that I've been able to spend <laughs> in, in the interview room, particularly these these questions. Where where, where we come, up, come come up with these, I don't really know. Uh, I don't know
2: either. They're good ones though.
0: Oh, believe me. They, there are way more that, that that I didn't even ask that I have from yeah, the, I have the a couple back, of, back in the day. Yeah. I haven't like, couple. one um, yes, ask. So I'm just- yeah, the, there are some that are probably best left uh, not on the show, ladies and <laughs> gentlemen. Alex Giles, thank you so much for for, uh, for joining us. Best of luck to the team as they uh, progress on, and hopefully we'll have you on soon.
2: Thank you so much.
0: Do you think I could do a handstand?
1: If yeah. I could do one drunk, hey, look, if I could do one drunk, you could you could do one sober.
0: I've actually never tried a handstand, honestly. To be fair, I had I was assisted by the wall, so. No. Did you twerk uh, uh, during a tail?
1: No, actually. Today was the first. I actually was like, actually, you no know, last night, I was like just like sitting on my stomach on the floor. It's like something that I just do. I don't know why. And I
0: was like, I haven't twerked in a while. I wonder if I can still, still can do it. Thanks for listening to Get in the Hole, the official golf podcast of Underground Sports Philadelphia. Catch us every week wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And be sure to like and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at getting the whole pod and follow underground sports, Philadelphia at underground PHI. We'll see you next time. And remember. get in the